You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. All right, so today here's the sermon title, Best Marriage Ever. All right, now some of, you that, some of you that aren't married say, oh, okay, so you're not preaching to me today. Well, maybe some of you are thinking, well, I've, ma- I've been married, no longer married, I'm done, not going to ever do it again, so you don't think there's anything. I-, I think there's something here for everybody, so hang in here with me. There's even something that for all of us we need to consider about, about our situation, about how we help others as well. Okay, so best marriage ever. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Uh, is, is the first time this is in the Bible, and this is t- talking about Adam and Eve, how God sets all this up. It says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So this is like the definition of marriage, in a way. This is, the, uh, this is what marriage is. It's a man and a woman leaving and joining together and becoming one. Okay, that's, that's what marriage is. Now, there's a whole lot more said in the Bible about it, but here's the basis. This is where it begins. And this is so important, so much so that when Christ was here, when he came here thousands of years later, you know, after this was said uh, by God, when he came, he referred back to that. Matthew records where Jesus talked about it, uh, and Mark records where Jesus talked about that. And then the Apostle Paul, he also quotes this in uh, the first letter that he wrote, what we call 1 Corinthians, th- that book of the Bible. He quotes this, and then also he quotes it in his letter to the church at Ephesus, that we call the book of Ephesians, he quotes this as well. So I want, you, I want you to understand this. This is from the beginning, right here, Genesis 2, okay? From the beginning, but it didn't go away. Jesus quotes it, and then Paul quotes it again and again, okay? So it's there again and again. This is the basis, and this is what everything else is built on, okay? So, all right, so I started to name this, uh, this sermon today. I started to name it Best Relationships Ever. And, and a lot of times uh, in, in February, I, I like to do relationships kind of stuff and everything. And, and I, I was leaning that way a lot because I didn't want you unmarried to feel left out and, and that kind of thing. But, but I didn't do that, and, he, and here's the reason. is because marriage is a different kind of relationship from any other kind of relationship that you will ever have in your life. Nothing else compares to marriage. There, there is no other relationship. And so to say relationships, and let's talk about marriage in the middle of that also. No, I want you to understand, it is totally different. If you're not married yet, but you're getting married, or you just got married, you need to understand that mar- the marriage relationship is totally different than any other marriage relationship that there is. It is not, like some people think, it is not dating on steroids. <laughs> That's not what it is, okay? It is not dating only deeper. You may have been dating the same person for 10 years, you may be, may, may be uh, uh, engaged to the same person for the last five years, but when you say, I do, and you get married, it changes. It is still nothing like that. Even living together doesn't come close to what is actually going on in a marriage relationship. Marriage is totally different from every, every other relationship that you will, you will ever, ever have. Uh, bring me that next slide. Thank you. You are, beco- you are becoming one, as that scripture we just read, you are becoming one with another person. You aren't simply changing your driver's license, ladies. And you're not just changing your address, guys. You aren't just tra- changing your living situation. You are becoming a different person when you get married. Why? 
because you are uniting with another person. You're becoming a different person. Things are changing. You're no longer just you. You know, you know how like the, that, that unity candle uh, that, that we do at a lot of weddings, you know? And you, you, you take the two candles and you put them together and then you, what, blow yours out? Why? Because you're saying, I no longer exist. We exist. I am no longer me. I am now we. It, it's a we. It's no longer me. This relationship, marriage, is totally different from anything else. That's why we're not preaching on best relationship. We're preaching on the best marriage ever. And I pray that you want to have, if you're married, I pray you want to have the best marriage ever. And if you're about to be married, I pray you want to have the best marriage ever when you get it. And, and I, I know it's kind of like raising kids. They're 15, 16 years old. You think, well, I've already messed them up now. How can I change? You know, start right now. Same thing with your marriage. You may feel like my marriage isn't all it can be. Start right now. It can still be better tomorrow than it's ever been. Okay, so, so what is the secret? Do you know what? You, you, I, it, it surprises me every time I say this number, okay? Do you know how long Deva and I have been married? It's crazy. I mean, even, even in the first service this morning, when I was about to say it, I, I was adding it up again because it just sounds, it's just impossible that it is. We have been married 39 and a half years. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah, yes. Good job, Pastor, that you were able to get David to live with you for 39 and a half years, right? I mean, I, I, I'm blessed. I just, I just, I, I'm amazed at the blessing God has put in my life. I've got two awesome kids adult kids now right that are involved in ministry and they've they've both married spouses that love jesus and are also involved in ministry got two all uh, got five awesome grandkids now and on top of that i get to live with deva you know now it may not be the same for her she's got to live with me you know but for me you know this is awesome about what god and you know we get asked a lot what's the secret pastor 39 and a half years now there are a few people in here that have been married longer than that, but not many. So people ask. Young people ask. And I'm glad young people ask. And some of y'all, some of y'all my age, been married my, as long as we have or a little older, you say, oh, they don't want to hear from us. Yes, they do. Don't, don't let that lie be told you because they do. They ask, what's the secret, Pastor? I'm, I'm going to give you the secret. I'm going to tell you the secret in my heart. Now, I've prayed about this, okay? I've prayed about this. You know, and, and this, this is what I believe. All right, this is what I believe is the, the secret. And you know, um, I don't do, I don't deal in the ultimate superlatives. You know, this is the number one thing. You know, I don't, I don't say that. You know, if you've, you've heard me preach a lot, you, you've heard me say that. I don't do that. Because uh, sometimes we say this is the most important thing. And then three weeks later, we're preaching this is the most important thing. We confuse everybody, right? But I'm going to tell you, this is what I believe is the secret to marriage. Okay? And let me say this just before I tell you what it is. Okay? not up there yet okay good thank you Bradley uh, just for I tell you because this is not just my experience of 39 and a half years okay it's also the experience as a pastor and as a youth pastor before that even working with with couples of 34 35 years of ministry now it's my experiences when when we've been invited in to help a couple I, I don't mean just invited into their house I mean invited into their life pastor to help us tell us show us and we've been invited that way. And also, in, in those situations where we've been held at arm's length, say, okay, pastor, that all sounds good, but no, we don't really need your help. And watching what is going on and falling apart. Well, we can help them if they, you know, just, just, just listen, you know, we can help them, okay? So it was all that with our own personal experience and our experience of ministering to people and our experience of watching people say, no, we don't need your help, all that. 
I'm going to tell you, here's what we have gleaned as the secret to a long, successful marriage. Commitment. All right? Not real exciting, is it? Y'all thought I was going to give you something really good, right, maybe? Not real exciting. Commitment, is that all? You got? Yes. Commitment. A, a never, nothing else, it doesn't matter. Whatever else, I'm committed to you. That's the secret. That's the secret. to. I mean, to you find me somebody. And it, it, the whole thing is about it doesn't matter what happened, doesn't matter what has come, what has gone, doesn't matter about anything else, doesn't matter about our friends, doesn't matter about our families. I am committed to you. That, that's what the whole thing is about. It, it's, it's about that commitment. Okay, so uh, Dave and I, and I really almost hesitate to tell you that, that we watch this, this series. There's a, a TV series called Bull, you know, and some of you <coughs> may be a little familiar with it. The reason I hesitate is uh, quite a few years ago, tw- I think ten, uh, 20, maybe 15 years ago, Dave and I, we were, we were uh, ministering to couples. Uh, and it was kind of like a, a, a small group being held at church on a Wednesday night where we were pastoring. And, and, that, and, and we were sharing something from a, a, a TV series that we really liked at that time that was actually you know, being, being uh, produced at that time. It was kind of live, you know, so we didn't know what the next show was. And so we were telling them about, you know, we kind of like this, and we were just throwing out a lot of good stuff that came out, of, you know, just some examples out of this TV series, you know, and about how it would talk about marriage and that kind of thing. And the very next episode that aired after that meeting, guess what? It was so off color, we had to turn the thing off, you know. And so you know what I'm thinking? Oh, great. I just told all those couples at my church to watch this show. (laughs) And so they're thinking, oh, wow, this is what the pastor and his wife watch. So you know what I had to do the next time we got back together next Wednesday night? I had to say, guys, I apologize. I don't even know how it ended up because we had to turn it off, okay? So I hesitate a little bit to tell you this because I don't know what the next episode tomorrow night is going to be. But, Bull, we watch it this week. This week, and this guy, he, he helps people in, in legal defense. He's not a lawyer, but he's got a team around him, and one of them's a lawyer, and he helps people in legal defense. And this week's episode just, bam, just sits right here perfectly in the middle of this sermon right here, uh, that he, he's having to help a friend who is being accused of killing his wife. His wife has disappeared, and uh, he's accused of killing his wife. Now, something like that happens, guess what? All kinds of stuff starts, get, you know, all the closets empty, all the skeletons now and everything, and it comes out that he's had an affair. You know, and so, his, so Bull now, you know, his, his friend for all these years, he's like, I can't believe, you know, you didn't share this with me and all this and all this. And so this is his explanation, and this, this is how he kind of explains, look, look, here's what was going on in our life. Marriage is a tricky deal. You make a promise about the future, but you make it at a moment in time when you don't really have any idea what the future is going to bring. People change. Circumstances change. Needs change. And that is the biggest load of crap and lies that we are being force-fed today. I mean, truly. I mean, you know what I wanted to do when I wanted to I wanted to get in the TV and I wanted to say, "Can I have a moment for rebuttal?" You know? Because that but that's what the world sees. That's what they say. I mean, you've heard this kind of crap before, haven't you? You hadn't listened to it, have you? I mean, I listen to that. I'm listening to this guy saying this, and I'm like, wait, wait a minute. What, exactly what were your vows? You see, I don't know about you, but the vows that I made to David 39 and a half years ago, it wasn't, I promise to love you until the circumstances change. My vows didn't say anything about, I promise to love you until my needs change. 
I promise to love you until something uh, you know, unforeseen that I didn't imagine would ever happen happens. I promise to love you until that happens. No, that, that's not what the vows are. And I was thinking, is that what, and I know this is a fictitious character, right? But I hear people say this all the time. And I'm wondering, what, what were the vows that you made? Are you even listening to what you said anymore? Now, now listen, I, I don't know. I wasn't at most of your weddings, but I've been at a lot of them. The last two and a half years, we've had, by my count, 17 couples married in this church in the last two and a half years. So you know what? I know what a lot of your vows said. You know, and they're all not the same, the exact same, right? But, but they all go similar to what our vows were, my vows, when I married Dava. When I said 39 and a half years ago, when I said, I promise, I, I Rick, take you Dava to be my lawful, led, my lawful wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward. For better and for worse. For richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. I was not making a vow to my circumstances. I was not making a vow to my needs. I was making a vow regardless of my circumstances, regardless of my future needs. I was making a vow to my wife. And when you make that vow and you get it and you hold on to it, you understand that commitment, that's what it's, it's about holding that. I mean, that, that goes back to what, what, what God said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. It is embracing that, that we have come together and we are one flesh. Whether it's easy or tough, doesn't matter. That's why we don't let little girls and little boys get married. It's about being an adult. It's about settling in for the long haul and committing. No matter what happens, I'm going to be there, and you can count on me. You can count on that. Bradley, take, take me to my, my next slide. So let's talk about the, the D word, divorce, okay? Let me say this. There are few instances where divorce is unavoidable. Did y'all hear that word, few there are few instances where divorce is unavoidable. One of those is abuse, okay? Uh, if, you know, if one is being abused in the, in the marriage, then sometimes it's not just unavoidable. Sometimes it is an absolute necessity if you're being abused. Now, listen, I'm not talking about if your spouse didn't let you hold the remote last night. Okay, talking about real abuse. Let's don't cheapen what some people are going through. I'm talking about re when real abuse is happening, divorce is just, it's a necessity. It has to happen. There has to be a split. They, they have to get away, okay? That happens, all right? The other one that I can think of is infidelity. Sometimes infidelity is a, is a reason for divorce. But did you hear that word also? Sometimes. Because let me tell you what I've watched. I've watched a lot of couples that God has brought grace into their marriage that even though one was unfaithful, he brought a healing, and they are still together now after many, many years. So not all the times, even in infidelity, does that happen? Okay, now here's now what some people are saying, Pastor, you better be careful. There are people here in this room probably that have divorced. Yes, there are. But you know, here's what I also believe. I believe if we talk about divorce in the right way, I believe those people would, would shout amen louder than anybody else because they understand what all is going on here. It's like, you know, some people have said, I've heard people say it this way, is that an imperfect marriage is better than a perfect divorce. Now, I don't know if I can quite jump on that bandwagon completely. I, I want to qualify it just a little bit more. Okay, but here's what they're saying. No one goes through a divorce 
completely un unscathed. You don't just go through a divorce and everything is easy and nothing matters, nothing, and it's easy. No, it, it's not, it is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not like, hey, I get a divorce and all my problems are over. No, some new ones have just started. <laughs> and so those that have been touched by divorce in the past, that's where they probably just, amen, past. They know this stuff. Let me say it to you this way. The grass is usually not greener on the other side of the divorce fence. It may look like it, and you may have people tell you that, and you may be thinking it in your own heart and mind, but it is not. Uh, we, we met a guy very early in our ministry, and uh, still, still acquaintances with him. hadn't seen him in a long time. But uh, he, um, he, he, got to, he, he got to believing that the best thing for him to do is just get out of his marriage. He's in ministry. And he leaves his wife and he leaves his daughter. Now this guy, if anybody could, could get out of divorce unscathed, I believe this might be one of the guys that did that because he was so full of himself, I believe he could probably walk away and not think about his wife anymore and not think about his daughter anymore for a time because as he got married later and as he had other kids, you know those sleepless nights came. You know those moments came when he thought about, when he saw his kids in this marriage and how he thought about all that he had left behind, all that he had missed with that other daughter and that she grew up and eventually had to, had to hear the story and know that her dad walked away and left her behind. That he wasn't, he wasn't a strong enough man to commit, I'm going to be here for you, to be a little daughter. So even, even in that, I mean, maybe, maybe he almost did, but no, listen. The best divorce still leaves a wake of destruction in its path, even if it's not the two that getting divorced the kids or somebody else, it leaves destruction in its path. That grass is usually not greener on the other side of the divorce fence. So pastor, how is it that we divorce-proof our marriage? Glad you asked. Okay, so I'm going to tell you. Two things to do. Basically, they're the same thing. Number one is, surround yourself with people who do not believe in divorce. And the second thing is, protect yourself from people who do believe in divorce. Alright? So, and I've got a great article, don't have time to really get into it all, uh, but uh, in the sermon notes, churchswing911.com slash connect, go to the sermon notes in there, I've got this whole article that supports that first one right there, and I just, maybe if I can get you interested in it by saying it to you this way, this was a, a, a couple that they went, to their, they went to their friends and they said, they said we're going to get divorced, we're just tired, we just can't make it work anymore. You know what their friend said? Not on our watch, not my friend's. My friends aren't getting divorced, and they dug their heels down, and they helped them pull it out, and they're still married today. Go read that story if you're thinking any, anybody's yelling at you. But here's the, here's the other, other part of it. You know that guy I was talking about that walked away maybe thinking he would be unscathed? In our very next ministry stop that we had in our life, we met another young man that was married and had a little girl, and we didn't even know that they knew each other. This, these two guys knew each other, but they had somehow struck up a conversation, a friendship, and this guy started basically telling this guy, hey, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card, man. You know, and this guy was thinking, like, yeah, he doesn't change diapers anymore. You know, he doesn't have to, you know, he can do whatever he wants to. When he gets home from work, he doesn't have to worry about a kid, doesn't have to worry about even a wife. Man, he's, it's like he got to start all over with his life, but he didn't tell him about all the other stuff. But he told him so much that this guy also walked away from his wife and his daughter. That's why you need to protect yourself from people who believe divorce is a get-out-of-jail-free card. And I know some of you probably think, but, but that's my family. 
man, I got divorces so rampant in my family, they, you know, they all believe that's, that's what it is, then you know what? Let me tell you, even if it's your parents, if your parents think, think divorce is the easy way out and that, that you could probably could just do that and get away, then you don't need to talk to your parents about your marriage anymore. I know that, sound, that sounds hard, that sounds tough, but you need to protect your marriage from people who believe divorce is the easy way out and it's a get-out-of-jail-free card. Because if you don't, you're, you're setting yourself up for divorce. You want to divorce-proof your marriage? Do those two things right there. Okay, so, so let's move on from divorce. So there, there's, th there, there, there's, there's three little things I want to throw at you real quick, and I've got to do them in a hurry. And this first one, is, and I'm going to be in a hurry. But when I picked this sermon series title, Best Ever, you know, we're throwing the word in there every week, you know, like best connections ever, best kids ever, best marriage ever. When I picked this word, somebody said, because, you know, they know that around Valentine's, I always try to preach a sermon on love and relationships and sex. They said, you just want that sermon title so you can say best sex ever from the, from the platform, right? No, that's not why I did, but that is the next point, okay? Best sex ever, all right? I didn't do it for that purpose, but here's a place where every one of us probably, even if you're not married yet, definitely, this is a place you need to listen just a little bit, okay? Best sex ever. You need to get this. It is impossible to experience sexual oneness with more than one person. I don't have a lot of time to set this up. I'm going to throw it at you right here. The world tells you you can do that, but it is impossible. The way God designed sex, it is impossible for you to experience sexual oneness with more than one person. You can experience sex with more than one person, but you can't experience sexual oneness with more than one person. It's impossible because that's the way God designed it. You know, God has created all this awesome, great, wonderful stuff for me and you to enjoy in this world and in our lives, right? And it's all wonderful until we mess it up. And then when we mess it up, then it becomes, becomes something that can destroy us. Let me give you an example. Like at Christmas this year, y'all know the song, Baby, It's Cold Outside? Y'all noticed, y'all heard all that junk about that, about how, oh man, that, that guy, he's a, he's a sexual predator, and all, uh, the guy singing that song, that, it, all that going on. You know why? You know why? Because of this. We can't imagine anymore, we don't even know, in our, in our society, we can't, we can't even imagine that a, a young man could ask a young lady to stay just a little bit longer unless he wanted sex. We, don't, we can't even imagine that anymore. You know why? Because we've lost the innocence. Give me that slide, that next point right there, Bradley. We've lost the innocence of romantic relationships, which is so much deeper and stronger and fulfilling than casual sex. We've lost that innocence, that joy of just having a, a pure romantic relationship that we, we can't imagine anybody wants to get close to a, a member of the opposite sex unless they want to have sex. So we don't, we don't even imagine that anymore. We can't, we can't, we can't imagine that as we've taken this beautiful thing that God has given us. Yeah, and we've made a mess out of it. Uh, I, mean, I think I've got a quote right here, right? Is this a quote? Yes, from Adam Weber. God warns us that this gift of sex is created to be life-giving and wonderful, but if it's not used properly, it can cause so much hurt and pain and regret. God has given us a beautiful, awesome thing. But we've, we've turned it into a, a casual thing, casual sex. We've turned it into a one, one, one at a time, one night thing, multiple partners, hooking up. You know, I don't, I, I don't know what, what was the phrase from your era. You know, what is it? You know, whatever it is, all this. That's what we've turned it into. I meant today, I, 
you know, it's like I grew up in the late 70s, really, really growing up, you know, and everything going to high school. And, and I listen to some of those oldies now, and, and I say, oh, hey, I didn't know that was in there. That part was in that song. I didn't know it, it was talking about that. You know why? Because when I was listening back when I was a teenager, you know, I was in church. So I was editing that stuff. I was in church, so I was here, and I'd kind of edit it. You know, I'd kind of believe they were, you know, I'd, they were talking about it that way or whatever. And you know what? I'm having to do that more and more today with just about everything on TV. I mean, if, if a guy meets a girl and they connect, oh, grab the remote. We know what the next scene's going to be. I mean, we've lost the innocence of romantic relationships. We don't even know what that is anymore. It's like, and we've, we've gutted sex. I mean, it's like we've got this big, beautiful gift, and we just gutted everything out of it till all that we're left with now is we're left with this, with this outer skeleton of just the pure physical aspect of it, and we're missing all that God intended it to be. Is it is so much more than just the physical. But that's, that's what one-nighters and, and hooking up and casual sex, that's what that's all about. Okay, so how, how, do, I do, this? Let me, how do I do this? How, how do I help you understand? It's never my intent to just be graphic, or, and I'm not going to be, okay? So don't worry right here, okay? But let me give you a picture. Not that kind of picture, okay? But let me give you a picture right here, maybe to help you understand this. As an example, all right, here it is. Here's the picture. This is the Badlands in, in South Dakota. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's awesome. And, and uh, I could do a slideshow right here because, I mean, every picture, every place that we stopped to take pictures was different than this place. I mean, it's like they were all different colors and every, every kind of thing. And, and if you look there, you say, maybe why they call it the Badlands. I mean, you've got to squint to find some green, don't you, <laughs> right there. And, but it's beautiful, and, and it's really kind of hard for you to see in this 2D picture how, how, how far away that is, how deep this is, how broad all of that is. And it's really just amazing, but it really is, it's just a picture, right? You know, if you think about it, you know, when, when, when this picture goes away and the next slide comes up, you're not going to walk out the door today saying, oh, man, that was a beautiful picture Pastor gave, showed us today. You're not going to do that. But, you know, there, there, there's, someone, there's someone in this, in this place today that they really are like all just wrapped up into it. They've got memories coming out of this and just all that. Because I don't, I don't even know if you can see, but kind of right in the middle, you can see the green patch way, way, way down there in the valley. But if you come to the right just a little bit and down just a little bit, do you see that image, that person standing there? Can you see? Do you need, do you need squint? Listen, I mean, it, he's so far away, it's like you see it. And that, that, is, and that is no other than our team pastor, Justin Hurdle. Standing out there on, on the, just the, I mean, that, that's like the top of a wall. He's, you can see where he's walked down all the way out there to get as close as he can to the middle, middle of all this. And I'm the one that takes the picture because we're all yelling at him, don't, don't, don't go any further, you know, be careful and all that. And I'm snapping the pictures because I know I, I'm the one that's going to have to fill out that incident report, you know, when, when he falls off the top of that here in just a minute, right? And I'm going to have to explain to Anita Bean, you know, about how we let her son fall off of that. But, you know, and, and so he's out there in the middle of that. You know, and the difference, just think about the difference here. I mean, you know, I've got a little bit of the experience because I was there, you know, and I saw this. You've got, you've got almost no experience there than look at a picture. Yeah, that's pretty nice, pretty awesome. I'd like to go see that sometime. But when it's gone, it's gone. But with Justin, I mean, what do we, you know, sometimes we say it like, man, it was a religious experience to him. I mean, he's got this. It's like he's thinking about seeing this picture and he's thinking about it again. 
And again, even when I talked to him about it this morning, I said, Here's, I'm going to do this in the middle of this sermon, you know, and talking about it, and he was talking about that again. And it's about, like, this is more than just a picture that goes away in a few moments. This, is, this, is, this was part of his life for a moment, and he experienced all of that. Okay, so here, here, here's, here's the relation, okay? Getting back to this, go, go next slide for me. Thanks, Bradley. You can enjoy the picture that I showed you, or you can experience the reality. Now, I'm not telling all of you guys to get out there and, and crawl out on that, because I didn't, okay? I was close, but I, I didn't get out there where he was. So you can enjoy the picture or experience the reality. You can enjoy the moment or experience the lifetime, because Justin's still thinking about that today. Surrounded by all this, in the middle of all this, Justin's still thinking. So you can, experience, you can enjoy a moment or experience a lifetime. You can keep looking at pictures of what someone else has experienced and keep walking away empty because what did it look like? Do you even remember anymore? It's gone. Walking away empty. Or you can choose something deeper just like God designed it for you. Are we, are we still talking about pictures? Yeah, for just another second, okay? Because I, I want you to get this. It's everything in life. God has designed amazing things for you in your life. And you can either take this little, little simple, little bitty part of it, or you can say, no, I want everything that God has. And now we're going to transition this on to sex. He says you can take this one little aspect of it, the physical aspect of it, and you can, you can use it over and over and over. You can misuse it and abuse it. Multiple partners constantly, somebody else, somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. And I, I want to see another picture. Pastor, you got another one? Somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. Or you can experience the lifetime. You can experience the reality of it. You can keep looking at those pictures someone else has experienced. Or like, like somebody telling you about how amazing their, their marriage is, how awesome their marriage is, and how awesome their life is, and all those things. Like Pastor, bragging about how, how just blessed I am as, 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 a, as a husband. And as a father and a grandfather, just how blessed I am. You can keep looking at those pictures and listen to those stories and keep walking away empty and lonely yourself. Or you can choose something deeper just like God designed it for you. You see, that's, that's the difference. <coughs> the difference in seeing a picture or standing there at the edge of the cliff and experiencing all of it. That's the same difference as casual sex and the fulfillment of what God intends sex to be in this thing that he has built for us called marriage. One man and one woman for life. That's, that's, that's the difference. And You know, there's another, another little thought to throw in there also. Is, I've got to throw this at porn. Let's talk about pornography for just a moment, okay? Because this is a great example for it. This is a great challenge, and a lot of people, a lot more people struggle with it today than ever because it's, it, it, it's right there. I mean, there, there's some right there, that second chair right there. It's my cell phone. I mean, it's there, right? You open it up, you are, what, five seconds away from pornography. So there's got to be a lot more of our self-policing. So, so let me say, have you ever thought about why men are so much more prone to, to be in enticed into looking at porn than women are you ever thought about brian berry i believe hits the nail on the head here's what he says he says women are not interested in two-dimensional intimacy a picture two dimension they're not interested in two-dimensional intimacy and they are not fooled by it they are hungry for affection and love that's why you know and and, and guys you know we guys we're visual people and we hear that we're, people tell us we're visual people. And we say, hey, I'm a visual person. 
And so, you know what? Here's the reality for a lot of guys. Porn is enough because we're visual. You know, we're visual as opposed to women. You know, we're visual. And so porn is enough. It is not really. We just kind of think it is sometimes. A lot of guys think it is sometimes. But women are not fooled by it. They're not fooled by, the, by this two-dimensional intimacy that isn't real. That, that they're going after, they want more, they want the affection and the love. That's why, for the most part, it's more men than women that get enticed and lured and trapped into pornography and addictions to pornography. Now that, and that hunger that women have for affection and love, what that does a lot of times, though, is makes them do things that they wouldn't normally do because they got to have that love. So, so look, I'm not just throwing the guys under the bus. Here's what I want you to understand. I want you to understand that anything short of the big beautiful that God wants to give you is going to leave you empty, lonely, looking for something else. Because like with porn, if you're just looking at the pictures of what somebody else has experienced, as soon as you've looked at that one, you got to have another one. You're looking for the next one, and you're looking for the next one. They're looking for, back up, barely to that slide, right? You're looking for the next one. Keep looking at the picture someone else has experienced and keep walking away empty, or you can choose something deeper, just like God designed it for you. That's what God has designed, this big, beautiful thing, this big, beautiful, awesome thing in marriage that God's created for sex that we have cheapened, that we have gutted. Let's get it back. Let's take it back. So my, my, next, my next slide is best partners, am I right? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'll back up there just a minute, just making sure. Okay, so, so let, me, let, me, let me transition here a little bit. I, I've got two points to make, and I'm going to make them just as quick as I can, okay? Because here, we've talked about commitment. We've talked about how we've messed sex up, and we've got to put it back where it belongs. We've got to quit making it about all those other things. And here, having the best marriage ever is going to be about being the best partners ever. You know what partners do? Partners understand each other's strengths, and they build through them. You know, uh, it doesn't matter. Is that, pick pick where, what area of life you want to talk about. Want to talk about sports? Think about guys that are partners in sports, you know, a quarterback and a particular receiver over and over and over. And, man, they start like clockwork. It's like they learn, learn each other's strengths. You know, I'm big into sports, so that's one that came to my mind real quick. But it's, it's true about marriage also. Great partners understand each other's strengths, and they build through them. A partner is one that shares. I'm sorry, back up real quick. One that shares or one associated with another, especially in action. You need to understand that. Get this. Is you can only be partners with someone. You can only be true partners, best partners ever. You can only be true partners with someone who has the same purpose and desire and goals that you have. That's what it makes. Because if, if you're going this way and they're going this way, you can never be best partners because you're going for two different things. Okay, let's, let's go to the next slide. Right, and here's the thing. Sometimes we misunderstand what it means to be a partner, like especially this 50-50 thing. The partnership that exists in marriage does not divide every task equally, okay? It doesn't mean that you do half and I do half of everything. That's not what being a partner is. So, so it's not like you do half of the dishes and you leave the other half for your spouse, right? You don't really do that, right? <laughs> I mean, you don't take the trash halfway to the trash can and wait for your spouse to come get it and take it the rest of the way, right? You, know, you, you don't wash half the dog, right? <laughs> anybody? No. If anybody does any of that kind of stuff in your marriage, you have some very, very serious passive-aggressive issues, and you need to see me after church so I can give you the phone number of a great Christian counselor right here in Gardendale, okay? Because you if you're doing that kind of stuff, we don't do that kind of stuff, right? Okay, so in our marriage, Deva is a great cook. 
If you get to eat her food, you will be blessed, okay? She is a great cook. Me, I have all the phone numbers of our favorite restaurants saved in my phone right there on the front row. Understand? You get it? You know? She is the one who keeps our house clean. I mean, disinfecting, killing germs. But I'm the killer of the bugs, you know? I'm the one who keeps the bugs killed and, and, and relocates the lizards from the porch before they get into the house, right? And get some away. I mean, we, we, all, we all have our things. So it's not about dividing up all the tasks. 50-50 is about effort and investment and passion and responsibility. That's what it's, that's, that's what it's all about. And, 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 and this last little thing here before we read one more little quote. And, and get to that last point real quick. This little thing here about, i got to say this in, in a hurry. When Deva gives 100% into our marriage, she is only still making up 50% of what is needed for a best marriage ever. i got to give my 100% too to make that other 50% so that her 50 and my 50, now we've got a best marriage ever. You know what that means? That means if I slack off, she can't make up for me, not doing my part. If, if you're lazy, your spouse cannot make up for you doing your part. If you are self-obsessed, your spouse cannot make up for you doing your part, for you being self-obsessed. We all have, we all, if we do 100%, that ma matches to the 50-50, and we can have a best marriage ever. All right? I got, I got a great quote here, and the whole article is on, uh, again, uh, in my sermon notes, but this is from Gary Thomas, and he talks about this just a little bit. He says, our nature is sinful and must be redeemed. Get, get this, when we enter marriage, first of all, we're ignorant about how to really have a marriage. Secondly, we have an evil inside of us that's made it all about us because we were single adults and it's all about me that needs to be dealt with. Our nature is sinful and must be redeemed. Educating an evil person, just, just helping them through their ignorance of marriage, without regard to the evil, doesn't remove the evil. It simply makes him or her clever in spreading their evil. This is, this is some awesome stuff right here that I don't have time to spend, that I'd like to spend and just dig into. You need to do that yourself. If I get all kinds of marital education to get over my ignorance, I get all kinds of knowledge to get over my ignorance, but I never confront the evil self-obsession that lies within my heart, then I'll use that knowledge, for instance, my spouse's love language, as a weapon rather than a blessing. I'll employ her love language against her to get my way rather than to bless her. And listen, that doesn't mean love languages are bad. Just like I was saying earlier, this is another love language. God's given us a lot of good stuff until we mess it up. And so when we, all the tools that we get, until we confront the selfishness that's within us, until we confront that, all the instruction, all the sermons that you hear preached on marriage in the world are not going to change anything. The real danger to your marriage comes in knowing you are the taker and doing nothing about it. When you learn, you know, and a lot of people know, look, I know I'm the taker. I know that my spouse is the one that gives and gives and gives, and I'm the taker. But they're trying to do something with it. As long as, you, as long as you're trying. But when you know you're the taker and you're not trying to do it, oh, yeah, he always does more. She always does more. And you just enjoy that, then you're having really trouble in your marriage. Here, here's the last point. Best friends ever. And just jump to that last uh, slide for me, Bradley, because I, I don't have time to do the other two slides. And best friends ever. There is no deeper relationship. When you get married, you choose your BFF. Y'all know what that stands for, right? I mean, that's an old one now, right? 
you choose your best friend for, when you get married you choose your best friend forever there is no deeper or more important relationship than with your spouse you know, I, I knew when I got here I was going to be out of time and I wouldn't have time to develop a lot here. I just want to make the statement. There is no deeper or more important relationship than with your spouse. And some of you would argue because that's not true in your situation. If it's not true, that's not by design. But that's because there's some deficiency there. Something needs to be worked on. Something needs to be helped. And I can think of no better place than to get some help and to work on some of those things than to join a couple small group at Church 2911. And we got two great ones this semester. They're just kicking off. One of them hasn't even met yet. And there, I can think of no better place. So if you want to work on that, then join, join it. Even if your spouse won't go, go without them. Do everything you can to work on your marriage, okay? Because there is no deeper, more important. And if it's not that way in your, in your marriage, then there's something there that needs to be worked on. Because when you get married or when you got married, you chose your best friend for the rest of your life. And I, I, and I know a lot of people say, well, I'm really close to my kids. Let me tell you something. Those kids are going to leave one day. And one day, that empty nest syndrome, it's going to be you and that person I just said was supposed to be your best friend. And if they're not, it's going to be tough when the kids are gone and y'all aren't best friends then. You are best friends. You chose your best friend when you said, I do, in front of God and witnesses. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.